You're in the water loop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. I'm here with April Boyle, the founder and CEO of El Porto Shark. How are you doing, April? I'm doing great, Travis. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, very excited. I'm always happy to talk about sharks. They're amazing creatures. So you founded El Porto Shark. What is what is that? Well, it started as a pet project, if you will. Uh, around 2013, there were a lot of sightings at my surf break, El Porto. Um, there's a lot of young of the year sharks that come through the Santa Monica Bay area. And for some reason, the news kept coming that year. And they were there almost every morning. It seemed like, hey, aren't you afraid of the sharks? Oh, my God, they're sharks. It's like, well, yeah, it's the ocean. So <laughs> and um, it was just creating a lot of hysteria, if you will, and just a lot of unnecessary stuff. So it really just started as a digital kind of thing, awareness thing. And then after a couple of years, I decided to make it my full-time thing because I'm a trained marine scientist, but I've kind of gotten stuck in marketing a bit. If you're good at math, you get mm. stuck in doing some weird stuff. <laughs> so, you know, you start helping a friend out with something and then before you know it, you're like, geez, two years have gone by. What am I doing? Anyway, so now I'm doing well, a whole lot more. We're turning it into a nonprofit so we can do more advocacy. Um, so the mission is, is shark conservation and the actual mission now is um, ocean and shark conservation through research, education, and action. Awesome. Um, yeah. So we do a lot of research, have a lot of fun research projects going on, mostly population dynamics, um, but starting to get into some eDNA studies and some telemetry things and trying to do some uh, modeling of the system of where sharks are. Okay, very cool. I know one of your big focus areas is kind of addressing some of the misconceptions about sharks. So um, I, I have an idea what some of those are, but I'd, I'd rather have you kind of share what you think the public's biggest misconceptions are. Well, it's interesting. So I'm start, we're really starting to focus on the surf community because it's, if you tell someone you surf, usually one of the first things they say to you is, aren't you afraid of sharks? And um, sharks kill maybe 10 people a year. I think last year it was only eight. And people who encounter sharks worldwide, it's maybe 85. There were some last year, there was the count. And I mean, that's in, in the entire world. So just here in Southern California, there was a study done by UCLA of how many people go to the beach. And it was the hundreds of thousands of visits every year. So think about that globally. So people saw Jaws and they think they're going to step in the ocean and, oh my God, the sharks are going to eat us. And we're really, <laughs> we're not their food. I've been next to 18 foot great whites that totally avoided me, have been next to all kinds of different sharks. And honestly, waves have messed me up in the water more than any animal. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's an irrational fear and, you know, Jaws did its job, did a really good job of kind of scaring everybody. Um, but there really isn't so, there isn't a reason to be so afraid. I mean, if the chances were that, I, I've been in the water so much, I should have already been eaten by a shark. Right. So uh, it's this misconception that sharks are prey on humans, that we are, you know, food for them and that they are out there looking for people as part of their as part of their diet um, and that they're just completely uh, out of control going after people. Do you think it was just Jaws? Um, I mean, Jaws was a huge part of this, right? But I think there's probably been some other media or stories or that kind of thing over the years that have maybe fueled that misconception? 
Oh, indeed. I mean, Jaws was just the start of it. it that's really where, that's really the, the, the touchstone that started all the sequels. And, and now you just, you have these movies where they're like, oh, let's throw some blood in the water and here will come sharks. And they're really attracted to oils and whatnot because it would be, I always tell people how easy my research would be if I could just cut my finger, stick it in the water and hey, sharks would come, but that's not the case. You know, all those great videos and shows you see on Discovery that's an hour that took like weeks to film to even get any kind of content. So yeah, I mean, we're not their food. They really prefer blubber over a person and they can tell the difference. They have, you know, their lateral lines that detect electrical and they have impulae of Lorenzini in their noses, which are these gel filled sacs that also can tell the difference in food um, I mean, attacks do happen, and I don't want to minimize, you know, if somebody got bit by a shark, because that is pretty devastating, since that test bite that's, oh, you're not my food, that can be lethal. So sure. it is unfortunate, and it is something that happens a few times a year, but the frequency is just really low. You're more likely to die on your way to the beach in a car accident. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm a I'm a surfer too, and I've spent lots and lots of time in the ocean, uh, in in different parts of the ocean and places. You know, uh, North Carolina and the Pacific Pacific Coast and Hawaii, and um, you're aware that they're out there, but you know, I mean, I know that I'm not their food, right? That they're looking for other things. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's interesting. What do you think about Shark Week, right? Like uh, this is a huge phenomenon in pop culture. Uh, there's a ton of terrific programming on it. Um, I think maybe like a few years ago, they kind of got picked on a little bit for some of the content that they had. But yeah, just wondering what you think about Shark Week. Yeah, so it was great. And then about four, almost five years ago, they had some mockumentaries or that they, they claim that they were meant to be fake, but the one in particular was the Megalodon. And so all of a sudden everybody's thinking, well, no, we don't know what's in the ocean. Now there are Megalodon. And so that was a real, myself and a lot of us went on Twitter and just beat the crap out of the producers because we were like, hey, you know, this is wrong. You've got these things where people look at Discovery Channel and Shark Week as factual. So interestingly, this year, I was invited to be part of the Megalodon four years later, Fact versus Fiction, where we made fun of that show. So it was the same producers, and they had a, they had several of us on who worked in the fields, scientists and advocates. And interestingly, some of the producers, I mean, one of them, she was like visibly shaken. She said, we got like death threats. And like, I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have gone that far. Yeah, but, right. you know, they were, they were really kind of shell-shocked. They didn't realize just kind of the can of worms they had opened. So last year really, to me, became a turning point where they still have, you know, sensational silliness like Shaq going in the cage. Who cares? Michael Phelps is not going to outswim a shark. You know, they've got those kind of things. But we all kind of recognize that, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll do the shows as long as they don't have us like we're saying something wrong or making something up. Um, but we'll go ahead and, and do it because we can get the word out. And so last year, I feel like they really tried to turn around. We'll see how this year goes. So I'm hoping they continue that where it's educational because honestly, I always loved it up until, you know, that Megalodon show. Right. Uh, but like I said, they, they tried to make, they, they, they tried to make amends. So um, we'll see, but there's still, you know, I'll go to schools and kids will sit there and say, oh no, there's Megalodon. I know there are. We don't know what's in the Marianas Trench. And I'm like, 
if something yeah. as large as a megalodon was around, we would know. Trust me. Right, right. What about that movie, The Meg? Did you did you even see it? I I didn't see it. No, I. One of my friends told me the book was good, and it's huh. not my thing. Um, so I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, when it comes on, I'm sure. Like I haven't gone out of my way to see it, but I'm sure I'll throw it on once it comes on Netflix or something. Um, because Jason Statham, he's great in every yeah. movie. You know, it's always him fighting something or other. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll probably watch it. I do see, I do watch every bad shark movie that comes out. Um, probably the worst lately was that Forty Seven Meters Down. Talk about no facts. Like I didn't. I'm, I'm not even familiar with that one. Oh, it's really bad. So these two ladies go cage diving in Mexico um, and it's rickety and the boat's rickety and their their cage falls to the bottom and, you know, they're not crushed or anything. And somehow through the film, the, the dive boat operator drops down more air to them and, you know, it just goes right down to them. And I mean, it's just super ridiculous. And yeah, um, yeah. and there's obviously there's a shark in it and it's coming to eat you and all this stuff. But it was it was really bad. The the shallows was pretty bad too. Right. Is that the one where sh there's a girl surfing and she like ends up having to get stuck out on a little island, like a little rocky outcrop, and like yes. the shark the shark will not leave for like hours and hours or yeah. day, and it's just staying there, and it sees it's like zooms to get her. I mean, yeah, preposterous. Yeah. She's 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 there surfing at a break she doesn't know all by herself. Right. Late in the day. Great right. in a foreign country. Good idea, all, sweetheart. All no-nos, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Sharknado. Super smart. Sharknado was another one that got tons of attention, but I don't know that anybody could take, you know, I think people realize that's just an, an absurd, uh, absurd movie there. But I love what they did. They they didn't realize it was going to be such a hit, and then they kept making them and making them more <laughs> and more absurd. They were totally in on it, which is great. Yeah. All right, shifting back to serious stuff, even though it's fun to talk about all that. So, you know, this is this advocacy is really is is big for you. And could you talk about why sharks are so important? Um, yeah, I don't think people realize how important sharks are to the ocean. Um, really, they're a top predator. So, if you remove a top predator from an environment, the whole ecosystem completely changes and or collapses. You only need to look at when they eradicated wolves from Yellowstone in the early 1900s. What happened there was trophic downgrading, which is what would happen if you remove sharks, where all the elk ate up all the food and, and, and it made the land so unstable because they ate up all the plants. And then they reintroduced the wolves and guess what? The ecosystem's better again. But we don't have that chance with sharks. In fact, a report came out that even more are closer to being in extinct then we realize like now the shortfin mako is in really low numbers um great whites of course are always protected but we're losing our big predatory sharks and when you take a top predator out of the environment other stuff kind of thrives so sharks keep the sick and the injured and they keep the populations in check well if you let all those plant eaters keep eating up all the plants pretty soon you're going to completely change the ocean environment and it's not for the better. So you don't want to ever remove a top predator like that. And we've seen where they've overfished sharks in one area and another one has moved in. Um, so we're already changing different ocean mm. environments. Yeah. And so you made the point that uh, it's not something we can really reintroduce, right? We can't really uh, effectively 
capture sharks in one part of the ocean and move them to another place and have that be successful and have them survive and 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 replace some native population that was there. Right. Yeah. It's not like you can grow. So great whites, for example, do not survive in captivity for a number of reasons. So it's not like we could have some in captivity and reintroduce the population. It wouldn't happen. Once great white sharks are gone, they're gone. There's no reintroducing them or trying to breed them in any way. Um, yeah. They've tried and it just doesn't, just doesn't work. There's certain animals that just don't aren't captive and they, they won't ever be. Yeah. And so the short fin mako, that's the fastest shark, right? Right, right. They can get into bursts of, it depends on who you read it from, um, somewhere around 45 miles an hour, some, some say 60 miles an hour. I haven't clocked on myself, but I just read <laughs> the other reports, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they are the fastest. Yeah, that, that, they're, I think they might be my favorite just for that, uh, for that reason. So what's yeah. your favorite shark? Great white, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just because they're just because they're so amazing in their size and and predatory power and just their their majestic kind of sharks, huh? Yeah, they really are. When you're next to them, like they're really big ones. They're just so graceful, and they have their beautiful blue eyes. By the way, they're not black like doll eyes. Great white sharks have blue eyes, and they're wow. just they're just gorgeous, and they. They just come, they swim by you and they're just super graceful. And even though they're big and they're displacing a lot of water, you still barely feel them. And, and then they just come up out of nowhere. And before you know it, there's three or four and they're just, they're just really beautiful. And they all kind of, you know, all animals have different personalities, just like people. Some people are mean, some animals are mean, you know, some are nice. So it's interesting to see the different personalities and the different types of sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my oldest son is kind of into this stuff. So he would, he would want me to mention that his favorite shark is the bull shark. He thinks it's really cool how they can go up into fresh waterways and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, a fun shark. So I guess changing the public's opinion is really important so that there's more of a mindset of protecting sharks. Right. Um, but <clears throat> the, what what are the big threats to them? It's this it's this actual fishing for sharks and finning for sharks. Yeah, so the, we we lose almost a hundred million every year in bycatch, in culling, in um, finning. So Western Australia, for example, at, every summer, and they have since the 1930s. In fact, um, they get out there and they put out their drum lines and their nets and they actively kill mature sharks, which. Reproductively mature sharks, they take a long time to get to that and they reproduce infrequently and they have very few that they give birth to. So it really, um, their population, um, they believe is that there's 60% fewer larger predatory sharks around Australia in the last, um, it's been since the 1930s, 1940s, whether or not uh, culling is the only reason, probably not because, um, you know, climate change, warming oceans, ocean acidification, um, kind of a lot of pressures that are all human-made. They're putting all these pressures on sharks and the whole ocean. Yeah, so they do that because of really the, the number of people in Australia that like to go to the beach and swim and surf, and so they're trying to they're trying to make it safer for people to be in the ocean. Yeah, well, and it's shown to yeah. do nothing. Um, studies have shown it does absolutely nothing for public safety. Um, they think it's their right to protect their surfing heritage. I've heard, I've shared some really ridiculous things and they've even, there's a study out that came out of Australia that shows that they were even using things like Jaws in pop culture saying, look, we're justified in wow. doing this. 
Yeah. So it's really, and the officials that are for it just use some really crazy, crazy uh, alternative facts, if you will, and, and really crazy arguments. And it comes down to tourist dollars in for sure. They really want to make sure that, you know, oh, okay, we're, 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 we have nets out, so you're safe. So you do stuff like that, and it gives people a false sense of security in the water because it doesn't make them safer. Um, and if you're too, you know, if you feel too powerful and, and confident in the water, that's not always a good thing. You as a surfer know that. You know, you, you always got to be aware of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, you don't want to be in the water thinking, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. I mean, I saw that kind of thing in Florida where people saw, um, you know, the Gulf of Mexico. It's like a pretty calm day. I had to, I got some, I took, saved some woman's kid from drowning because the current was taking him out. And, you know, it looked calm. And the water's warm. So she's thinking she's at Disneyland and nothing's going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? And she didn't know how to swim and he didn't know how to swim. She's letting yeah. her kid go in the water. So it's yeah. that kind of thinking. It's the same thing where people get a shark repellent or they, they think they're getting rid of all the sharks. You know, there's other stuff in the water, too. I got to tell yeah. you, marine mammals have messed with me a lot. Sea lions <laughs> well, are kind of jerks. And we know that, you know, that, like you mentioned before, that, that really right at dawn, right at dusk, you know, after a heavy rain, if the water gets all stirred up or, you know, there's certain things you want to keep in your mind as a, as a surfer when you're going in the ocean. Like, okay, maybe, you know, use some judgment around this particular situation right yeah i did i mean like i've been bumped before i was over at Doc, dockweiler beach and it was really murky where's, where's that it's uh right by lax so right behind lax there's dockweiler beach it's just before el porto and i was take, i was walking out with my board and something bumped my leg and i'm like okay and i moved down and then it bumped me again and i go okay i will go down farther <laughs> so it was, it was a smaller shark looking for food i couldn't tell what it was because i was only in like waist high water yeah. Um, but I couldn't tell what it was. I was guessing it was some kind of maybe a leopard or something or a tiny or a baby white, but it was, I couldn't see it because it was super murky, but I just said, okay, dude, fine. I'll get, this is our beach. I'll give you some space. I will right. <laughs> Not that it was going to attack me or anything because it, I, I felt, it felt like a really small one. So, but huh. still, you know, when something's bothering you in the ocean, like I've had dolphins come and tail slap at me and I'm like, okay, I'm out. So, you know, you just kind of get out of there their house or their yeah. environment sure we're in we're in their their uh their house at that point yeah. um it's that number of a hundred million a year that are killed or finned well that kills them but that's just crazy number that's so many yeah i know people don't believe me and i say yeah eleven thousand sharks are killed every hour it's like a hundred million a year yeah i mean it varies from 88 to 120 but still 100 million sharks and that's that's not sustainable, you know. We're not gonna we're not gonna keep doing that because we're gonna kill all of them. Right. So um, let's talk about the the public awareness. What are some of the ways that you work um, to raise public awareness about uh, the the importance of sharks and that they are you know a valuable part of the ecosystem and we need to look for ways to protect them and and all that. What are some of the ways that you you work on that? Well, lovely people like yourself that have me on their podcasts or, <laughs> or interviews. Um, I do a fair amount of writing. Um, I'll contribute to whoever will listen to me, basically, kind of, for <laughs> reason. Um, but I do get out and speak quite a lot. And I'm <clears throat> starting to just working on something new where we're going to do some dive trips. We're going to do some destination kind of trips. But 
instead of the big scary, let's be next to these big sharks, it'll be like a kinder, gentler shark week and expose people to all the different types of sharks because people think of a shark, you know, first thing, it's a great white. Um, Right. So trying to expose people to more than just the great whites and show that, hey, you know, there's all these different diverse species. We need to protect them because once people do go out and see them in the wild, they're much more likely to be an advocate. So really just speaking quite a lot. I mean, I've spoken at big events, small events, um, yacht clubs, fishing clubs, schools, and just, you know, really just try to get the word out and let people know that, hey, you know, we really need to do something about this before it's too late. Um, what what do you think of the status uh, status of public awareness and public perception? I mean, there's a lot of that long held mis those long held misconceptions and and all that stuff. But do you think that awareness of of reality is increasing at all? Yeah, I really do think it's getting better. I really do. There's you know more and more people are going to the beach anymore. Um, Shark Week and shows like that, you know, those kinds of things are getting more and more popular. Um, people are wanting to know. So I do feel like things are, it's working. There are a lot of us working in conservation. You know, there's a lot of great charities out there and you know, we help each other out whenever we can. Um, and just as long as everybody's getting the message, then, hey, we're all doing good. But I really do, Travis, feel like that there is a better kind of handle on it in some communities In others though, there's still not a lot like, you know, people inland, people that don't live on the coast, um, they're less likely unless they're divers or, you know, like to come to the beach. It seems like the landlocked places are a little less likely. Um, although that is changing as well. I do run into people that, um, tell me, Oh yeah, I love sharks and I'm going to go diving. And, you know, they live in the middle of the country. Um, but I, I do think we're I do think we're getting better. That's good. That's really good. I want to talk about some of the the uh, some science areas here um, and some of the things other areas you work in. About um, one is aggregating shark conservation data. Uh, could you talk about that project? Well, so what I've worked on for the last several years is working on getting sighting data. So there's a couple of websites that report when they see sharks, et cetera, and have it on there. So scraping those and trying to put together a database of, you know, where sharks are, what type they are. Usually only the big ones get reported, um, unfortunate, well, fortunately and unfortunately. So, um, but really just trying to put together a content comprehensive mapping of, you know, people see sharks. And it's interesting because of course, you know, in the summertime it's up and, you know, in, in December, more surfers, bigger swell here in Southern California, more sightings. So there's a lot of, um, lot of interesting things about collecting that data and trying to normalize it and, and seeing if it is actually a shark people saw, is it a dolphin around oh. here? You know, around here, some people will think a great white, a short fin mako, and a salmon shark. Those can all kind of look like the same shark, especially the salmon and the great white. Um, the short fin mako is more of a torpedo shape, but still, um, there was a fisherman in Long Beach once, and they caught a smooth hound, little dogfish, and they look, it's a baby great white. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> so, you know, people tend to think they're all great white. So collecting the data and trying to see what sharks are out there um, what the frequency is, um, and really the goal with that is turning people into citizen scientists. 
and understanding, you know, especially surfers, because surfers are in a great position to be advocates. So instead of going, yeah, man, it feels sharky out here. I got to get out of here. <sighs> you know, flipping that narrative and, and, you know, reporting when they have sightings and whatnot, because, you know, researchers, we can't be everywhere all the time. So if we have surfers, especially out there letting us know, yeah, I saw a great white or I saw this, saw a school of leopard sharks, it's really useful and helpful for us. And it informs conservation. <laughs> That's funny to hear you say uh, a surfer say, oh, it feels sharky out here, maybe uh, without any actual sightings of sharks, just like that spooky feeling when you're, you know, that's really what it is. It's a spooky feeling like, oh, this is kind of a strange place I'm sitting. Maybe I don't always surf here. Maybe the water's not as clear as it usually is. Maybe like it's a gray day and oh, it just feels sharky, right? Yeah, I've heard people say that so many times, and I've had actually one friend get really angry with me because they were saying, no, it's the right conditions, it feels sharp, you can't tell me, okay, okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, seriously, tell me, you know, yeah, nope, you're right. Yeah. Go ahead, more waves for me, I'm going to sit out here. <laughs> Bye. Um, that's a salmon, a total side question, so the salmon shark, um, I didn't realize they were down that far south on the Pacific coast, that's interesting. Yeah, they're not. They're more frequently up north, yeah. um, but they have been found down here. There was a um, definitely in the Morro Bay area. Um, so a lot of the sighting data I have, like the biggest piece I have, is all along the California coast. So that includes Northern California. There's some Oregon and Washington, and then um, some Florida data too. But it's interesting because like dive shops have all this great data, but then they're not using it and nobody in science is using it. So I'd really love to get more dive shops in on sharing their shark data. Um, you know, it could be, it doesn't have to be recent. It could be like stuff they've had because they like collect the data and it sits there for years. I've seen people right. have it years and years. And it's like, you know, it's good data um, to have. Of yeah. course. Hey, that's no. okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, often, like, you'll see them on their social media feeds, you know, we had a great dive today, X amount of visibility, X number of sand tiger sharks, you know, uh, report on that kind of stuff. So I live in uh, coastal North Carolina, and there's dive charters that go out uh, and go down by the old wrecks, and they see sand tigers and stuff all the time. And um, I see those pictures, but they're not reporting it, like, in a scientific fashion, so. Right, and then um, whale-watching boats, and they'll... Also, if you go online, you can see a lot of them. They, they put their numbers up. They say X whales, X this, oh, one great white, one Mako, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll put it on there to use. So it's really cool. But I mean, it's a matter of, of what's usable and what's not. And I know here we're thinking we're seeing more great whites and um, that they're making a comeback, which is, which is good. And I, I hope it's true. Um, there's also, I always like to make sure, you know, there are more people in the water, there's more GoPros, there's more drones, there's more kind of coverage and awareness. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> My new dog, he's getting, them. he's all shaking. <laughs> <laughs> but there's more awareness around him and there's kind of more people out there. So, um, you know, research, uh, uh, some really respected researchers are telling me that they're indeed the populations are growing. So I'm hoping that that is the case. And um, it's not something we need to worry about as far as, you know, surfing in the water because, again, yeah. not their food. We're not their food, sure. Um, another area of science is forecasting marine life populations. Could you talk about your work around in that area? Yeah, so when we get the sighting data or 
any data with, you know, because it can work with sea turtles, it can work with rays, but if we take the past data, we can kind of forecast what's going to happen in the future. And looking for what inputs are are relevant to that. So do we see more sharks when it's this temperature, when it's this time of day, when it's, you know, this salinity, when it's this kind of pH, kind of trying to figure those those facts out. So yeah, we try to forecast populations for different areas. We're doing a little less of that now because we're working on some of these other studies that have come up um, uh -huh. and harder on advocacy. But uh, I, my master's was in all biostats, and so I absolutely love forecasting things, and I'm really quite skilled at it. So like I said, if, you do, if you're really good at numbers, you can get in trouble sometimes. You'll get roped into some interesting things helping friends out, and then you're like, why am I doing this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is one area that I, I noticed uh, of your work that really jumped out at me. I'm curious about, and that's uh, the role of sharks in helping to adapt to mitigate to climate change. Uh, yes. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a, I wrote a, a blog post for Altacy about that and have references in there and everything. And I was okay. pretty proud of that because they also, um, they also, they're like, really, I didn't know. So it's that trophic downgrading that I was talking about. You know, the ocean is a carbon sink. And if you have less plant life, you know, mostly, most of our oxygen comes from the plankton and the ocean and all that. But then, you know, there's mangroves, there's other plant life. And if you don't have all this plant life in the ocean, well, you don't have as much ability to absorb that carbon. So that's the part of it that people don't realize of their importance is, yes, they play a factor in climate change. And then the really big sharks, really big ones and whales, they sequester a lot of carbon in their bodies and they sink to the bottom when they die. And then that carbon stays in there because, you know, other stuff in the system will eat it. So when we take out large sharks or large animals out of the ocean and kill them, that's not sequestering carbon anymore. Um, but yeah, they're really important um, for keeping the plant life in the ocean the way it is, keeping the balance so that it doesn't all get eaten up and we can't absorb that carbon. There's been quite a few studies around that. Um, and like I said, if you look on the Altice blog, I wrote about that a couple months ago and I have the references on there so that everything I say, because there's always somebody going, no. So I've <laughs> got like references to the primary literature, you know, that was peer reviewed scientific journal stuff. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. more important than people realize. And I guess some people, you know, might think, well, saving sharks isn't going to stop climate change. And that's true, but like in this giant battle, right, against climate change, every little bit is important. And if, if sharks play a role in, in that carbon equation, then that's just another reason that we should, we should work to keep them around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they keep, they, they help keep the carbon sink that the ocean is and they keep populations healthy. Um, you know, you get rid of a shark, that's kind of, and I don't, I don't know this to be 100% fact, but at Reunion Island, where there's all there's been a few deaths. Yeah. One of the um, one of the hypotheses put forward was because one certain shark had been overfished and they were out of there, and a different shark had moved in there. So huh. when and I have to again look up the sources for that and see if there's been further study, which I'm sure there is. I know that they're yeah. trying out a shark safe barrier there. Um, that is magnetic and doesn't harm anything. Um, but there's a lot of work around that. So 
whether or not um, whether or not that's true for that area, it is true. And the Pew Trust has a couple of great videos. Um, if you search um, Pew Trust for sharks, they have one. If you remove them from uh, an area in Hawaii, they show this entire ecosystem crash. And then they have another one, which is a cartoon, but it tells you what happens if you remove sharks from coral reefs. So there's a lot of really great information out there. Um, like I said, big, you know, Pew's a big, they're sure. huge. And so they've got these two great videos. And then a lot of other research is being done around it. There is one researcher that her entire work has been sharks and climate, and I just can't think of her name right now. Okay, interesting stuff. So looking at solutions or ways to help better protect sharks, um, you know, the public awareness is one. We'll talk about that in a second. But I know that uh, something you say is really important are, are partnerships. Um, so what is what is a partnership? How can you – why are they an important part? What does that mean? Well, you partner with um, – either big corporations, governments, et cetera, get them on board with the importance, then that is key. So, you know, if I could get the mayor of LA and the city of Los Angeles to get, hey, you know, to help me get behind a campaign, that would be an amazing partnership and that would increase awareness. So it's that awareness piece that partnerships make possible. Yeah, totally. Okay, so like the big final question is how people can make a difference at the individual level. Um, you know, one person, it's daunting to think of saving the world when you're just one person, right? Um, but, and especially maybe somebody lives in an inland community and they want to make a difference. Um, what are the things that people can do to help, you know, shark population out there? Well, there's one, there's one thing that everybody can do. And it won't just help sharks, it'll help the entire ocean is stop using single-use straws. Stop when you go to a restaurant, and I get the kids to do this to their parents, because you know they'll 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 hold them to it. Say no straws. I mean that one thing we've been I mean, you and I've been drinking like this this whole time. Yep. It's it works. It's working <laughs> for a really long time. We don't need there's very few cases that someone needs a straw to drink. And our dependence on single-use plastics, you know, like the K-cups and reuse, you know, non-reusable water bottles. It's just really minimizing your plastic footprint is one thing that you can do not only to help sharks, but that helps the entire ocean. Um, and anybody can do that. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything except, sure. you know, alter a couple of habits. And it's really simple to do. I, I love the point of uh, make the kids the ones to put on the pressure, right? I think it they're works. definitely, they have a lot of influence. Um, yeah. I've had parents tell me that they're like, I can't, we go to a restaurant. I, I can't even get the words out. The kids tell him, do not bring a straw. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about this whole, you know, there's a hundred million sharks caught and killed every year. Um, is there anything people can do to advocate on that front? Well, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things you can do. Um, you can, Something really simple that is good not only for sharks, the ocean, your health, and your wallet is just do like meatless Mondays. If everybody just did meatless Mondays, that would save a lot of protein that's being caught in the ocean, et cetera, and it reduces your carbon footprint, and it's actually less expensive to eat a plant-based diet. So I don't tell everybody to go vegan because people get really, you know, it's one of those sure. things you don't talk about religion, politics, or nutrition. <laughs> so, I don't tell people to drop all the meat because they get really emotional and they love their cheese. But seriously, 
Meatless Mondays do a lot of good, and you can do that wherever you are, and it really has benefits for your health as well. So it's not just helping the ocean and sharks. But, and then holding, holding places accountable, you know, the tuna fisheries, unfortunately, about 60% of their bycatch is sharks, and most of them don't survive. Um, either you have unethical boats that fin them, and then, or that, you know, they try to release them, but they've been in this net for a while, and they can't, yeah. you know. So it's, uh, it's really difficult. Just making themselves aware, not buying products that contain shark, you know, don't buy shark liver oil or those little, what's horrible, and you've seen them around the beaches, I know, are those little jars and they have like a dead shark embryo in it and it's just That's disgusting. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. Shark products, just staying away from them. I mean, those are, those with the plastics, that stuff everybody can do and it's not, you know, going out of your way. Right are really changing anything. And then with no benefit, like, you know, the Meatless Mondays has a benefit for you as well as for the environment and the oceans. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, especially as I've been starting to do this podcast and talking to people about uh, ocean sustainability and overfishing and sharks, and um, I, I'm, I have a hard time, I'm having a harder time eating seafood uh, just because you're tapping into that wild population. You know, it's not like, uh, when people go eat a burger or, you know, fried chicken or something that's coming from a sustainable, you know, renewable source, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas the ocean, you're just – it's just we're taking out all of the life from the ocean and yeah, it's Yeah, it's I was – when I was in Fiji, the boat captains told me that, you know, around every country there's a certain barrier and I forget how many miles it is. Um, but there's a certain barrier where you can't go in and fish unless you have some kind of permitting. And what they told me is the fishing boats will come right up to that barrier and just take everything. Wow. Every corals, sponges, just like just drag the entire thing. And not everything's edible or usable for humans. And so it is really a shame. And, and, you know, people move to a seafood diet because it's healthier than a beef or a pork in their opinions. Um, and you know, that's, that's fine. But like you're saying, the sustainability is really, you know, you have to know where your tuna comes from. We have all this dolphin safe tuna. I'd love to see shark safe tuna. Ah, there we go. You know, there's nobody, you know, a uh, great white Bruce isn't as cute as flipper. So that's <laughs> not kill climb, you know, uh, Bruce was pretty cool though. Pretty cool. Yeah, um, sure. I, I really appreciate the time and the information, the conversation. What are some places that people can uh, can follow you or check out your work? So um, the website's williseeashark.com. And then on social media, it's all at El Porto Shark on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and you can follow our work. And the website's going to be changing a bit. Like I said, we're moving, we're getting everything done to officially be a nonprofit so that we can do more advocacy. But at El Porto Shark everywhere is where you'll find stuff and we do put stuff up on YouTube every so often as well. Good deal. Well, I appreciate as an ocean lover and fan of sharks, I appreciate what you're doing and I encourage everybody to follow your work and I look forward to connecting in the future at some point. Thanks, Travis. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a shark advocate. You're in the water loop. <laughs>